today I want to talk about um, that we are called to be people of the Spirit. And what Carl did this morning in that worship time was he sensed the Spirit of God speaking to him about something very specific, and he highlighted Lynn, and the Spirit of God wanted Lynn, the Spirit of God wanted Lynn to hear what God was thinking about her. And I was just so happy to hear that. Lynn, wow, that's a beautiful message to you. You're an amazing lady. But I want to go a little bit further this morning into the essence and nature of Holy Spirit. And I, I always don't know how to call the Holy Spirit. We call him He, the Holy Spirit, He. But He's not a He. He's, he's the Spirit. He's the Spirit of God. He's the breath of God. And we're going to talk a bit more about His essence and, and nature. And a couple of weeks back, I spoke on Pentecost Sunday. I spoke a bit more about the Holy Spirit. I want to go a little bit further today. The Holy Spirit is the great promise of the Father. I, I, don't, I don't tire of saying that. He is the promise. That which was promised, He is it. The Holy Spirit is it. There's no better promise for us as sons and daughters of God than receiving the very Spirit of God indwelling us. It's the highest promise we've got. That this frail human body will have Holy Spirit of God living in us. And He is freely given to us because of Jesus. Freely. You don't earn Him. You didn't deserve Him. He is freely given to those who are thirsty, who want to drink Him in, so to speak. That's just the way we speak, language that we understand. As I taught a few weeks back on Pentecost Sunday, we are forever grateful to the cross and Jesus Christ because only by the cross and what Jesus did is it even possible that you and I can receive the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Jesus, for washing us clean, declaring us righteous, calling us your beloved, and saying, you are now worthy to receive my very Spirit. So we live in absolute gratitude to Jesus Christ always. The Holy Spirit is not the electrical power of God that pulsates through your body into somebody else. He is not an it. He is not power. He is of very essence of the Godhead. No different. No different in terms of his essence to Jesus or who we call God the Father. The Holy Spirit is one who can be grieved it's like he's got a personhood, just like Jesus and the Father do. He's got a personhood. He can be grieved. We can quench his fire. In other words, when he wants to do something, we can, psh, no, 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 don't. We can do that to him. Like somebody wants to talk, you say, no, no, shh, 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 don't. That's quenching somebody's fire. That's all it means. Just like, shh, shh, no, no, don't. We can do that to Holy Spirit. And he doesn't, he's not a bulldozer who knocks you over and just does his thing. He only responds to you as you align because God has always given us freedom of choice. He can be ignored. He can be lied to, as with Ananias and Sapphira. You can lie to him. <laughs> you can't pull the wool over his eyes because he knows all things, but you can lie to him. And we who are followers of Christ are called to walk in him 
and be led by him, as Paul teaches in Galatians 5 and Romans 8 specifically. Think about it like this. The same spirit that led Christ Jesus when he walked on planet earth can now lead your life and my life. That's a, that's a thought. The same spirit that enabled Jesus Christ to master life as a human being, as a son of man, is the same spirit who can lead your life now if we will just be led by him. Listen to him. That thing's buzzing, bro. It's, it's behind me. It's not up there, bro. It's this thing here. It, I, I promise you it's not. <laughs> it's going, Dane and I can hear it. <laughs> The same spirit that led Christ now dwells, abides, rests, stays here. The same spirit that led Christ can now help me, and this is underestimated by Christians, the same spirit that led Christ can now help me to live a life that looks more like Christ. You know what God's really saying to us is actually, my beloved, you are without excuse. I have given you the promise to indwell you. That's not to put a heavy on you. That's just to say, it's possible. It's possible. It's not impossible. It's possible. So he is the perfect spirit. You know, you know I want to just highlight this. Um, he's not incomplete in any way. So when you read scripture, you'll find in Revelations 1 verse 4 and Revelations 5 verse 6, which we'll look at in a moment, he is, he's referred to as the sevenfold spirit of God, the seven spirits of God. That doesn't mean he's the Holy Spirit broken up into seven different personalities or, different, uh, or seven different parts. Seven is, in the Bible, the, com the complete number. It's the complete number. So when it talks about the sevenfold spirit of God, it says he is the complete whole spirit of the living God. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, and he dwells in us. So here we go. Revelation 1 verse 4 and 5. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, which is the book of Revelation, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Right there, you have the Trinity, the Godhead. To him who, who is and who was and is to come, God the Father, and the seven spirits of God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. So right there in that one scripture, you have it. Another one, Revelation chapter 5. Notice he's called the seven spirits there. Revelation 5 or 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. That's the Christ who had been the sacrificial lamb. With seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And we read that and we go, Ooh, God. I don't know what that is. All that's saying is, it's, remember, this is an apocalyptic language. This is imagery. This is visionary. He's saying, I saw the crucified Christ, the Lamb of God, who had been slain. 
but he had seven horns. Seven is the perfect number. He had complete authority over all things, over the universe and over everything and over all mankind. And the seven, and he had seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, which is he was absolutely filled with the very spirit of the living God. That's all it's saying. So now, the sevenfold spirit of God. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 11, you read the prophet Isaiah, and he starts off in verse 1, before we get there, he says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Now Jesus is also called the son of David. David was the son of Jesse. This is again prophetic language saying, I see the, I see the Christ. I see the one who is so fruitful, whose life abounds in fruitfulness. He is of the son of David, son of Jesse. He comes from that lineage. And now look what it describes of him. And the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. In the Old Testament, the spirit would come upon and would leave. David would say, because I've sinned and I've committed adultery with Bathsheba, God, please don't take your spirit from me. That's the old covenant. In the new covenant, as Jesus modeled, the spirit came upon him like a dove and rested upon him, abided in him, and all his days was with him. And he promised us, and I will give you my spirit who will be with you always through thick and thin, through good and bad. No matter what, he will never be taken from us. It's the promise of the Father. But he's the Spirit of the Lord, the sevenfold Spirit of God. So we kind of go, well, this is where we could get a glimpse of it. He is not a spirit of anything else but God himself. This is his essence and his nature. He's secondly, the Spirit of wisdom. Thirdly, the Spirit of understanding. Fourthly, the Spirit of knowledge. Fifthly, the spirit of counsel, advice, guiding. Six, the spirit of might, of power. And seven, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So we get a glimpse of what the seven eyes are, what this complete spirit of God is like. And Jesus unpacks this in John 14, 15, and 16 about what he's like and what he does. You know, when you go to that, that wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, that is why I believe so many, so often we as Christians don't live that life of Christ because we don't tap into what the, the resources of the Spirit of God for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding about life. We just blunder through, going, whoa, God loves me. I, I'm going to get through today. He's the Spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is to know what to do and how to do it in a particular situation. Knowledge is to have the knowledge of that situation, and understanding is to kind of marry the two. So because I have these facts about it, I have understanding about it, and I know what to do in it by the Spirit Jesus lived, by the Spirit. So that's who the Holy Spirit is. And the, the Spirit of the fear of the Lord, that's another underestimated one in our days. To, for, for many Christians... And God's my chummy, you know. He's, he's my mate. He, 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 he cruises with me. Yes, the Holy Spirit does cruise with you because he's in you. But he is God almighty, holy. And there's a reverential awe when I worship him. God, my life, a living sacrifice for you. But it's not a spirit of fear. 
It's a spirit of fear of the Lord. There's no fear in punishment when it comes to us understanding what Christ has done on the cross. 1 John clearly teaches that. And then he goes on to say, and his delight, speaking of Christ, and his delight shall be, is it, do I have it? Did I put that there? There we go. I went forward. And his delight shall be, whose delight? Speaking of Jesus, one who will come from the stump of Jesse, the spirit of the Lord will be upon him, and Jesus' delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will live out his life fully pleasing to his father. Everything he does, I just don't do it for myself, I do it for him. And he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. Why? Not just visual, he will listen to the spirit that fills him. That's how God wants us to live, like Christ. Right, so now let's dive into this portion of Scripture. Doing a lot of Bible teaching this morning, but it's good. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 14. The Apostle Paul writes as follows. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And look at this next important verse. These things God has revealed to us through Holy Spirit. In other words, these things are not a mystery. These things are not the unknown. These things are not the not to be known until heaven. These things the Holy Spirit has given us understanding and knowledge about now while we live. So we go, wow, God, help me to listen to you so that I live rich in understanding of the wonderful things that my mind can't even imagine, that of the wonderful thoughts you have for me, of the wonderful plans you have for me, God, Holy Spirit, help me to have faith in what you say and understand them. Your life is not supposed to be a mystery. It's supposed to be hearing what God says and living it out and going, wow, God, I understand why I'm alive. I'm living your purposes now. I'm bringing your kingdom. For the Spirit, look at, look at these next verses. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Our little, our little man-made search engine, Google and other ones, they're pathetic. They can't fathom God's thoughts. They don't know God's purposes. But the Spirit understands and knows the very depths of God because He is the Spirit who is God, the breath of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person? Okay, right now, what am I thinking? No? No? I'll give a hundred bucks to somebody who can guess. What's that? No? <laughs> no? You see, you can't. Hundred bucks. I give anybody. Who can tell me what I'm thinking? You want to know what I was thinking? Pi R squared. You had no clue. Just, just a random thing. Like, so, so, but, so nobody knows what you're thinking except your spirit within you. Nobody knows God except Holy Spirit. That's how much we need Holy Spirit. 
He says, so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things He has freely given us. There again He says, the Spirit is for you to understand what Christ has given you already. So that you live a life with greater knowledge, greater understanding, greater wisdom, greater counsel, greater power, and a great fear of the Lord. Because you have the Spirit of God living in you. He says, and we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. He's saying, guys, I can't explain this to you with my own rationale. We can only share this with you by the Holy Spirit. And you can only understand it by the Holy Spirit. You can't understand God with your own rationale. He's too big. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because these are spiritually discerned. It's no wonder when, when the Spirit of God is doing something that somebody who has not yet been recreated by, by God's power, by the Holy Spirit, born again, they don't understand what's going on. It's folly. It's stupid. It's a, it's a load of, got to be careful what I say now, a load of hobbledy-hoo. <laughs> So three things about this. Okay, I jumped there. Let me go here. Number one, Holy Spirit knows everything. He knows everything. Everything. Nothing missing in Holy Spirit. Natural man, we, we seek to know things. We do. That's why we study because we want to learn more about that. So, so, so I study because I want to grow in knowledge about that thing. Um, in the workplace, they use algorithms because they want to know, for example, the spending habits of people. So they've got these fancy algorithms to try and learn what they don't know. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to learn anything. He knows all things. He knows everything. He is never without knowledge. And you and I have him saying to us, these things I have freely given you through my son. You can have access to them. When it says he searches the depths of God, it's not like he's a search engine trying to find it. Like, where, where, like where's it? God It's somewhere in here. Like, where, 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 where? No, he, he's just the one who has full access into the very depths of the knowledge and understanding of God because he is God. He is the breath of God within Secondly, the Holy Spirit is God. He is not less than God. He is not the power of God, just the power. That's a he is God. So God has come to dwell in man. This is a simple but profound truth. It has great ramifications for us when we understand it. The Spirit who knows God is God. He is not a thing. He is not an it. He is not something created. The Holy Spirit 
isn't a force that comes from God, nor is he a power less than God. He is God. God cannot be divided. We say God is three, but he's one. He, you can't divide him so that they're different. So the Father is different to Jesus and the Spirit, and, and they're different. Like, like we, like to, we try and understand ourselves as human beings. And we've got a kind of notions, and there's arguments going on about, oh, we soul. Yes, we've got a soul. There's a way of thinking and feeling, and, um, and, and we've got a human body. And there's something in us which we call a spirit, which gives us a capacity to experience something beyond the natural. And around the world, there's spiritual reality. There a myriad of different types of religions and beliefs and everything, because that's your spirit part, that component. And we try and neatly divide it into the, you can't divide God. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. And Holy Spirit is God in very essence and nature. Thirdly, for a man to know God, the Spirit must make him known. These three things come out of that, that scripture I've just read, 1 Corinthians 2. You cannot know God unless the Holy Spirit explains God to you. You cannot be born again unless the Holy Spirit gives you birth. The Holy Spirit is 100% active and involved in a person's regeneration, moving from death to life, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Because without the Holy Spirit, it ain't going to happen. Because only the Spirit can reveal God to you. You get a glimpse of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, just by grace. Not by your own intelligence, your own logic, or your own rationale. Otherwise, only the intelligent could ever know God. And this is the main point of that whole passage that I read. If we have any spiritual knowledge, it is because God, who is Spirit, has revealed it to us. By our own nature, we can't know God. Only by the Holy Spirit do we come to a true knowledge of God. That's how dependent we are, human beings, on the Holy Spirit to know God. And yet there are human beings, some who even lecture divinity and theology in universities, who, who do not know God by the Holy Spirit, but they only know God by rationale and logic and intelligence. And they are teaching people about God who will never know God if they rely only upon what they're being taught by these human beings. Because only by the Spirit of God can you understand God. Okay. Um, yeah, let me quickly go here. 1 John 3 verse 1 to 8. A man, a, a great, a well-known man, an incredibly intelligent man, a rabbi of rabbis, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus in the night because he's afraid of what the other rabbis will think of him if he comes straight to Jesus. But he knows in this Jesus there is something unique, and I've got to talk to him. He says, tell me, explain to me what's going on. And Jesus says this, unless a man is born again, he will never enter the kingdom of God. In other words, no matter how well studied you are, you will never understand this kingdom unless you are born again, Nicodemus. All your studies count for nothing. They're helpful, but they cannot get you to experience the kingdom life of God. 
So Nicodemus says to him, well, how can a man be born again? Can he enter into his mother's womb again? It's impossible. Jesus says, unless a man is born by water, natural birth, waters break, and by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, he will never see the kingdom of God. You are born again by the Spirit of God. Only by the Spirit of God can you know God. That's how dependent you are on the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say, the wind blows where it wishes. This is verse 8 of John 3. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound. But you don't know where it's come from and where it's going. You just see the leaves moving or the sea moving or some, a packet blowing. He says, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Fascinating words. He's basically saying, you, you, you can't rationally work out the Holy Spirit and what you're going to do because He's the Spirit of God. He, so it's a, it's a matter of intuition, listening to the voice of God that will lead you to go there. And you might go, well, why, wh where did you come? Like, why did you do that? The Spirit of God led me to do it. Why did Carl stand up and do that this morning? The Spirit of God led him to do it. There's no rationale or logic to it. He didn't wake up this morning going, all right, I'm going to do this. It's like, no, the Spirit of God led me. And so it is with people of the Spirit. We are not a people of a tried and trusted formula. We are not a people of um, tradition. Although some traditions are good. We're not a people who just are, are, are like steeped in tradition or in the tried and trusted what worked 10 years ago or last year. We are called to be a people of the Spirit. For those who are led by the Spirit are the sons and daughters of God, Paul says in Romans 8. So let me start to bring this to a close. Think about it like this. We have an unfair advantage. And I mentioned this earlier, and I, gosh, I'm ahead of myself. No, I'm not. That's who I want to be. Think about it like this. The spirit that led Christ can now lead me in everyday life. If you write that down and you meditate upon that, your life will change. The spirit that led Christ now dwells in me. The same spirit that led Christ when he was on earth. The Spirit that led Christ can now help me to live a life that looks more like Christ. Perhaps now I can have a different perspective on reality. I bumped into somebody this week, Christian, and they just told me about, a situa about the country and what they wanted their child to do. And it's just looking at it with natural eyes. It's just the natural man interpreting reality. But if the Spirit of God is in you, maybe, just maybe, you've got a different perspective on reality. Just maybe you start to see things more by how God sees them. Because God sees not like a man sees. Remember what it said, Jesus, He will not decide by what He sees or by what He hears, but by the Spirit, the sevenfold Spirit of God within Him. Perhaps now, I can seek the Holy Spirit's counsel in the challenges I face. Perhaps now I can have the Holy Spirit insight into dynamics of difficult relationships. Perhaps now I can have insight into what's happening at work in this business deal and why it's not working. Holy Spirit, give me under, you're the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Help me to listen to your voice. 
And the last thing I want to end off with is this thing we called Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know what we call it. I've called it this. Holy Spirit activity. You know, sometimes you feel like the Spirit of God is more present than He was before. You just feel the Spirit of God. If you're a child of God who walks in the Spirit, there are times when you're worshiping and it's like, wow, I don't know what just happened there, but that was amazing. Or there are times when you're reading the Scripture and it just pops out at you and it just, wow, just hits you in your heart and you go, wow, that was amazing. Or there are times in your relationship. So basically what I'm saying is this. The Spirit of God, I believe, this is Greg speaking now. You know like Paul would say? This is not the Lord speaking, this is me speaking. I just want to try and help us understand this. I look at it like this. There are times when the Holy Spirit gets super excited about something because the truth is on it and there's life in it and his kingdom is in it. And he just starts to sing and dance over it. It's Holy Spirit activity. There are moments when he starts to sing and dance over something. Sometimes in a worship meeting, we're singing songs. And sometimes you get to a song and it's like, suddenly your, your heart just starts to encounter the Spirit of God. It's because there's an activity and a dancing of the Spirit of God upon a truth, a kingdom truth or a kingdom reality that's there. And your spirit man knows it. And there's no, there's no natural reason to why it should have changed, but the Holy Spirit says that's truth. In reality, this happens in relationships sometimes. So let me, let me put a little disclaimer on at the front. The Holy Spirit is always present. It's not like he suddenly arrives. Oh gosh, here I am. He's always here. But there's sometimes when he just starts to go, that's the truth, that's the truth, that's the truth. So in a relationship sometimes, you, 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 you're, going, you're going and it's not working and it's just hard and it's just, and you keep on going around the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. The Holy Spirit isn't singing and dancing over it because there's something there, there's an offense, there's, a, there's an anger, there's a something. He doesn't dance over those things. God does not rejoice in evil. Evil can be just being angry and, and not willing to forgive and not being humble and being proud. He doesn't dance over those things, but he's there. Why? And what does he do in that situation? He wants to lead you out of it into truth. So he's speaking in that situation. But when you, you're connecting with somebody, and it could be marriage, it could be business partner, it could be anything, and there's truth and there's honesty and there's love, and there's respect, the Holy Spirit dances over that. And it just tends to this favor upon it. So I'm not saying God leaves. I'm saying He's there. But He wants to guide you into a better experience of that relationship. That's what the Holy Spirit's there for. It, right, happens with singing. it happens with a business deal. Sometimes you're trying to get a business deal going and going and going and going. And, no matter how hard you try, it just doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And it's not always... The devil, sometimes it's our greed. Sometimes it's our pride. So Holy Spirit, what are you saying about this? Lead me into truth. Because when he starts to sing and dance over something, you will see the grace of God happen. So let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Let's be sensitive to his activity. He's on that. 
So I, I go like this now. When we sing songs, I found this often. When I, when I sing songs that really focus on Jesus, the Holy Spirit gets excited in me. He really gets excited in me. I don't want to sing too many songs about how I'm feeling. I want to sing songs that glorify Jesus because he points to Jesus. He guides us back to Jesus always. Let's stand. 